Tune in and cry it out with me, DJ Susie. These are thoughts. These are things that make you say. Things that make you go. 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 Robbie Rob, break it down. Hey, 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 hey. Wait, 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 wait. Wait. No, I don't do anti gay jokes. I do characters. Just like I do McDonald's waiters. Like I do jokes about politicians, Dan Quayle, or anybody else. I'm a comedian. Why is it that you can do a joke about anything and anybody, but when you do a gay joke, I gotta have idiots in here protesting over it. You don't see Dan Quayle here. You don't see Willie Vanilli here. What's your problem? What's your problem? Why is it that I can't do a gay character? What's your problem? What's your problem? What's your problem? Hey, yo, 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 what's up? You got the Rizzo live in effect. Chillin' right here, yo. Do you remember that ice cream jingle? Of course, we all know it. I'm not gonna play it right now, though. Because we come to find out that it has racist roots. But check this out. Kid Humor, they called me up and it was like, we gotta do something about this, Rez. We could change the dynamics. We could make a new ice cream jingle for a new era. We wanted to make a melody that includes all communities. That's good for every driver, every kid. And I'm proud to say, for the first time in a long time, a new ice cream truck jingle will be made available to trucks all across the country in perpetuity. That makes forever, you know what I mean? Like, we change forever.
Your internet radio dial is in the perfect position, and Race to the Bottom is on the air. Time to sit back and enjoy some refreshing Winslow tea. Try it hot, lukewarm, or over ice. Have it with milk and sugar, or a lemon wedge, or oh natural. Mmm, mmm, mmm. Now that's Winslow tea. A New York City tradition since 1872. Ask for it by name at the tea house or your local greengrocer. Because that's how you know it's Winslow. From the Winslow Tea Broadcast Booth in warming, global warming, Bushwick, Brooklyn, I'm John Reed. You're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn, and this is Race to the Bottom, baby. My opening monologue, as always, is sponsored by Winslow Tea. I've got some iced Winslow here. Iced and so nice. Mmm. So nice you gotta sip it twice. Mmm. Please hashtag your tea drinking experiences with hashtag how you know and steep into the conversation, why don't you? In the background, this is... You remember this? The Light. It's kind of a jam. I, uh... It was on the... Like Water for Chocolate album by Common. Back when I was a, a, a fan of, of Common. These things change. More on that later. And boy, do I have a monologue for you guys. I've been sitting here, get to the studio early and got some notes. I'm going to try to thread the needle on all these topics here. And uh, got to take another sip of Winslow. Mm. How about that mashup? Who'd we hear from? We heard Arsenio from the Arsenio Hall show. Very 90s clip. What's your problem? He asks. There were some gay rights activists in the audience. Objecting to his gay characters. He's a comedian. You don't see Millie Vanilli up in there. You don't see Dan Quayle up in there. Why can't he do a gay character? Wonder how... how be interesting. I'm going to get Arsenio Hall on the show to talk if, about whether he still feels that way. 
these things shift. These things change. I used to be a common stan. Now, not so much. We heard from CNC Music Factory. Talk about things changing. You know the guy in CNC Music Factory who said, uh, gonna make you sweat till you bleed? Which I don't understand how that works. But the dude in CNC Music Factory, um, he was kind of ripped. That guy supposedly became a janitor at this school in New Haven, Connecticut, not too far from where I lived with Semi-Rock, the human beatboxer. Guess he, he got a raw deal on his record contract. And uh, he's mopping the floors. There it is in the background, as always. Or as usual. It's Bremer and McCoy. We heard from John Scales doing his version of Yesterday. Kind of a reharmonized version of that. More on John Scales in a bit. We heard uh, the RZA talking about his deal with good humor for the new ice cream truck jingle. I have not heard... The RZA's jingle, unfortunately, here in New York City. Who's heard the... I I don't even know what it'd be. The way I did that in the mashup made it sound like the new jingle was John Scales' version of Yesterday. That would be pretty cool. We heard the 59th Street Bridge song, Feeling Groovy. That's the Queensboro Bridge. It's the closest to uh, where I live. And I'm guessing that Paul Simon was writing about feeling groovy in reference to the 59th Street Bridge, looking at it from a distance. Because if you're walking, that's kind of a jaunty walking song. Queensboro Bridge is not a, a fun bridge to traverse on foot. I've done it once. It's very vertiginous which is our word of the day. You are listening to Race to the Bottom. I'm your host, John Reed, and this is the number one show on Radio Free Brooklyn. And I don't mean to gloat. My research team says I'm gloating when I bring this up. But I bring it up because I couldn't do it without you, the listener, and without my guests. All my features. It's like uh, the rap game these days. It's all about the features. Who do you have on your record? People putting up billboards. Say Rick Ross is on your record. Well, I don't have Rick Ross on the show today. I do have a very special guest. But this, the, for the month of August, we, we were the top show. And, and I'd like to thank John Field, our guest last week, Kyle McCarthy from Twin Oaks. Did you put your orders in? He's doing fried chicken this week. Oh, man, it looks good. Salim Hugh Penny, we did 
on Donuts Together and then on Capitalism with Jay Clarkson. Diverse programming. But if you look at that lineup of guests, it is lacking in diversity, um, gender diversity. I'm going to try to fix that with our guest. Well, you don't fix it, but address that with our guest next week, my friend Colette, who I teach with at the school I can't name. She's a historian, and, and we're going to talk about Google rabbit holes. She she uh, has been known to go down a Google rabbit hole. Maybe we'll go down some together. We're going to have Chris Mata back on the show. We did top 10 vegetables last time Chris was on the show, or one of the recent times Chris was on the show. And I think we need to do the top 10 fruits. We might do that. Check in on Chris, see what's going on in his world. And uh looks like we're going to have John Scales, Jonathan Scales. He prefers Jonathan. Looks like we're going to have him on in October. Hopefully right before his uh show at New Blue on October 2nd, I think it is. New Blue is one of my favorite venues here in New York City. You kind of have to be in the know to even know where it is. It's on like Avenue C and like 2nd. And you look for the blue light bulb, blue hanging light bulb. And you go down to a basement. They have such cool acts there. And John Scales will be one of those acts. And um, as long as I'm talking about John Scales and features, John Scales has this thing. You just go to YouTube or go to his Instagram, go anywhere. And check out Scales and Friend. He's been doing... He's got like 30 of these in the can already. Well, I don't know how many he has in the can. He's got 30 of them up already. And I did one with him. I did a a song of mine from back in the day called Safe to Say. And he's playing Steel Pan and then I'm singing. But he's done these with all these different musicians. He did every combo you can think of. Steel pan and saxophone, steel pan and synth. So, so great. He's got this guy playing like the, the, the hammer dulcimer. That one sounds so good. I told him I need a whole record of that one. We're going to have uh, Mike Vago back on the show with Scott Bunn, the man with the voice. To talk about topics in September. Happy September, by the way. Oh my god. I'm not even halfway through the monologue. It's about time for our guest. I was on the Steve Sachs Syndrome with Scott Bunn this past week on Asheville FM, and you can check that podcast out, talk about the Mets and the whole booing saga. Maybe I'll talk more about that. want to talk about that. want to talk about Naomi Osaka. 
I want to talk about these uh, this this uh, Drake Kanye brouhaha. Didn't think I was going to say brouhaha today, did you? But all that stuff is a mere distraction. Kind of a apocalyptic vibe going on. COVID's still hanging around. Climate crisis. Major, like, what do they say? Once in a once in a lifetime storm happens every couple weeks. We got uh, what's going on in Texas. What do we do about Texas, guys? And I say, I mean, guys, us dudes got to step up and uh, and uh, fix this. Bunch of gross men making this world a worse place. We gotta, we gotta do a solid. What are we gonna do? But it's back to school time and all these things are swirling around. I'm having a hard time kind of tucking back in into school mode. I think because of everything that's going on and... I don't know, it's it's rough. You know, the past over the past year or so, year and a half, we kind of knew it was we're living through unprecedented times, you just got to do your best. But now 2 years in and going back to school and teaching and I think it's probably the same for people going back to their jobs. People are getting called into the office. I feel like there's this pressure to perform now as if we're back to normal, but we're not. But I guess humans can adapt to things, and now, well, you got to just take take it on the chin and get, get back in the game. It's easier said than done. But you know what Rilke says? You know Rilke, right? Letters to a Young Poet. He suggests that if you will stay close to nature, to its simplicity, the small things hardly noticeable, those things can unexpectedly become great and immeasurable. And that's what I want to talk about via birding with my guest who's going to pop up on the Zoom hopefully in a moment. Joe Zimmerman. Comedian. I first met Joe in Asheville, North Carolina, when I was trying to do stand-up. And Joe was just a natural, so funny, such a nice guy, and um, just super talented comedian. We both lived in Asheville, and now we both live in New York City. And now I see him. I'm going to admit Joe to the Zoom. Joe? You there, buddy? I hear you. 
Hey, there he is. There he is. Hey. How's it My going? Man. What's up? I'm good. Do you do you want to do you want to see me or we do we don't need to, Oh, I'm there you go. Okay. I'll I'll uh, start my video too. What's up? Oh yeah, good to see you, sir. Good to see you as well. Welcome to the program. Yeah, I'll put up my fake mic. Oh yeah, that makes <laughs> that makes me feel a lot better. Joe just put up a really nice looking fake mic. <laughs> uh, I've been doing Zoom shows. Uh, I've got my tiny stool. For comedy shows and my <laughs> tiny mic stand. That's great. Yeah. Um, where you do like a nowhere, nowhere comedy? Was that? that? Oh, please, John. John, uh, can I call you John? Do you, you still can. go by Jari? No, I don't. You I don't know who that is. Yeah, I let go. Um. So. I, I, I vowed, I, I thought Zoom shows would be the dumbest thing ever when the quarantine started. Yeah. And then, and then all these tech companies started reaching out <laughs> about corporate Zoom shows to, for like their happy hour. Okay. And I was like, oh, okay, I guess yeah. I'll just work from home now. Nice. Yeah. So that's me. That was my year and a half. That uh, I did Zoom shows for giant tech companies and I, and I got into birding, as you know, and I um, tried to write a novel, as mm-hmm. you know, and uh, yeah, just thrived. I, I assume you thrived. <laughs> I was just talking about how there's kind of this feeling like we're a year and a half into this thing, and there's kind of this pressure to get back to normal mm-hmm. in a way. I'm go- I'm a teacher, and I'm back at school and I feel like last year it was like this is unprecedented we're in a pandemic just do your best you know keep your mental health is paramount and now it's just like all right come on guys back to work we got to get back in the office uh got to get back to school we can we can adapt and I feel like I'm I'm a lagging a step behind yeah you feel pressure to get back to normal. I feel like there's some form. I feel like there's a lot of, I feel like we're in denial. Mm-hmm. You know, denial where you just pretend something's not happening. I feel like a lot of the countries in den- actual denial, mm-hmm. like psychological denial. And then the other part of the country, including myself, I think uh, got cave syndrome. Yeah where I learned that was a big psychological thing where you just start thinking that you'd prefer to never leave your house. <laughs> so I feel like we were a mix between denial where everybody was just out partying and cave syndrome where everybody was completely locked up for, <laughs> for, for longer than necessary. Mm-hmm. But you got out to, to uh, catalog birds. Yeah, I got into birds uh, this past spring. Um, I was in Asheville when I start when it started uh, because the Great Backyard Bird Count is around um, it's around February every year. The Audubon Society does the Great Backyard Bird Count, and you type in the birds you saw on a certain day into eBird.org. Mm-hmm. 
might be .com. I'm not sure if it's for profit. <laughs> um, so I typed in the 12 birds I saw. I yeah. went to the little bird sanctuary in Asheville. I typed in my first 12 birds. And then I realized you could just type in the birds you see year-round in eBird. So Central Park, do you know that Central Park is one of the best birding spots in the entire nation? I kind of knew that, and then I really knew it because I read your uh, really great piece that you wrote about this. Heck yeah, you did. You you likened it to uh, the Atlanta airport for for birds. Yes, yes. Central Park is a huge layover for birds going in all the different directions they're going. Mm-hmm. Uh, because when they fly through the Northeast to migrate, when they hit New York City there's only one big patch of green. Yeah. And every year they remember it. They're like, oh, that's our spot. That's our jam. That has food, berries, other birds we can hook up with. Mm -hmm. They all hit Central Park. Very focused little spot. And then as you know, New York City being a big city with people looking for things to do means every single birder also hits this spot. So it is a very condensed area of birds and birders thousands of birders thousands of birds all just looking at each other and there's some i wanted to talk about <laughs> about the 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 kind of peace that it might bring you but i also would be remiss <laughs> to uh mention that there's also you know a little bit of controversy surrounding all this stuff you know there there was the whole bird watching Thing that uh, that happened last summer with the um, the Coopers. Well, yeah, let's not let's not yeah. blame the birds for that. <laughs> but then there's also your uh, you know people who are kind of checking up on you and and what you're you're putting into eBird. Yeah, there's way more there's way more go at stake here than just looking at birds. Um, <laughs> Yeah, there's people that are competitive about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the current leader in the state of New York is a former, uh, I think, a former UFC champion. Wow. Champion. So he's really a competitive guy. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I I typed in a bar my, my first barred owl sighting in Central Park into eBird, and uh, I got a firm email about it the very next day saying that I had entered in the geographical coordinates to my barred owl about a quarter mile off of where the barred wow. owl actually lives. And they said, if I had not seen the barred owl in strawberry fields that I needed to re-enter the geographical coordinates next to the boathouse, which is very, it's not easy to do. You have to, yeah. You have to go through a very complex map to figure out. Anyway, I didn't want to get on bad terms with eBird, so I he readjusted my geographical coordinates. Also, he sent a follow-up email. Strongly worded. Um, yeah, strongly worded follow-up. Uh, and another controversy that nobody's talking about is uh, there's two different groups. There's two different uh there's a fragmented birding community. There's, there's the birders on Tuesday, the Linnaean Society, who are very um, hardcore old school. Mm-hmm. They use binoculars. 
and only watch the birds at a distance. And then there's the Sunday bird birding Bob group, uh-huh. which is a little more tourist heavy birding Bob. This is controversial. He will play little bird sounds from oh. his phone and lure them in. So, so he'll play a little sound and he'll even make this sound with his mouth. He's like, and it's amazing, like, he'll do this little sound, and then all of a sudden, a red-bellied woodpecker will fly over and sit at a tree near us. And the red-bellied woodpecker looks perfectly content, perfectly happy, and then we all gaze at the red-bellied woodpecker. But these other people in the other side of the bird community are like, no, you cannot be making bird calls. <laughs> it confuses the birds. Mm-hmm. It stresses them out. They think there's a mate. There's no mate. You're harming the birds. And Birding Bob is like, listen, the birds are chill. The birds are happy. Nobody's stressed out. And so it's a huge dispute. It sounds huge like dispute. It sounds like you've gone with Birding Bob. Have you personally? I've been on two Birding Bob walks, and I've been on about five Linnaean Society walks. Wow, you're playing both sides. I am. I Now, now I am playing both sides. Uh I'm trying to, you know, I'm just finding my footing in the community. Do I, do I side with the, the bird call guy or do I side with the, um, old school, old school side? I mean, obviously the, you assume the old school folks are correct. Um, that it's wrong to do bird calls, but, and, and I assume that they're correct, but I will say I've observed the birding Bob birds and they don't look stressed out <laughs> at all from my point of view. Could you tell if a bird looks stressed out? That's the thing. How would I know if it was stressed? It's just sitting on a branch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just sitting on a branch looking around. <laughs> you said that you appreciate um, kind of cat- like cataloging and listing things. Has that been something? Uh, is that something that gives you peace or is that a main thing that you enjoy about birding or were you a cataloger to, as a kid? Uh, it's hard to put it into words. What is enjoyable about it? Um, but I will just, I will compare it to this. I think you, I think people don't realize how fun birding is until you realize the difference between the local birds mm-hmm. and the birds that are passing mm-hmm. through to Europe, to Europe and passing through to Brazil. And these birds pass through in the, mostly in the spring and in the fall for a very short period of about four to six weeks. So from four to six weeks, you can see this crazy array of tropical birds that just show up out of nowhere for a brief moment of time. And I think it would be like if you were a fan of dogs, <laughs> uh-huh. but you could – but you could only see Great Danes for like three days in March. And they all just rumbled through town for three days. And then right after that, um, all these Shih Tzus rumbled through town for like three days. And there's only one time of year you can see them. And it's just those three days. You're like, whoa. 
Dalmatians. <laughs> I, I've been. I've never seen a Dalmatian. I've heard about Dalmatians. I've seen them in cartoons, mm-hmm. but now I actually get to pet them, and then they're and then they're all gone two days later. I suggested that you were going to convince me to start birding, kind of tongue in cheek, but that I point for you there. That that was <laughs> that. <laughs> That was good. <laughs> that went a lot further uh, towards convincing me to start birding than I, I thought uh, you would be able to do. That's yes, sir. Great. It's all about it's all about these tropical birds that show up for this brief window of time. And it's all about the metaphors. That was I I, I approach life through metaphors, and I feel like the dog the when the the, the the Great Danes showing up for three days. That's good. Yeah. And maybe you really love Australian shepherds and mm-hmm. you have a chant. You heard that all of a sudden there's 800 Australian shepherds uh, by the boathouse and you've never seen one. So you can just <laughs> take a city bike over to Central Park and all of a sudden you get to see 40 Australian shepherds in a sitting in a tree. I told you that I was... Um uh, when we were texting about this, that I, I'm big into cormorants. I, yeah, I'm curious. I, I'm curious. I, I know that they hang out in the reservoir mm-hmm. at the reservoir in Central Park. I'm curious what what got you into cormorants. So, I during the pandemic, my school uh, where I work, which is on the Upper East Side, um, and I live in Long Island City, we we were hybrid all through last year. So um, I was kind of a little apprehensive about taking the subway. So I took the ferry to work every day or every day that I, it was, you know, two or three times yeah. a week. So yeah, you got into the ferry. I got into the city bike. Yeah. So I took the ferry uh, from basically in my front yard up, up the East river to 90th street and then walked to work. And I thought I was seeing loons, um, mm-hmm. I'm started going to Maine with my wife, uh, over the past, you know, half decade and fell in love with loons. Ooh. And do you, get, do you have a place? No, we just, we have a place we rent with family, but, away. um, you know, loons, the, their call, the, their whole, the diving. I was just mm-hmm. obsessed. And there was these cu- couple loons that lived in the lake. And I was like, Oh my God, is that, I was on the East river ferry. Is that a loon? And then my mother-in-law, who's a, a birder, who I, I is probably listening now. She was very excited about this this uh, episode. Shout out! She she uh, she corrected me and, and said those are cormorants. And I basically am now that I've you know it's like now that you know. It's like when you learn a new word and then you hear everybody say that word. It's that kind of thing where now I'm just yeah. followed by cormorants. I notice them all the time. Um, mm-hmm. And they're, they're loon like they can dive like crazy, like 50, 100 feet underwater. They'll disappear and then they'll pop back up. They, they're mostly black and then have these little uh, orangish reddish beaks. And yeah. uh, they just hang out in the river. There's, 
you know there's those little tiny islands in in out in the middle of the river and they've got these trees that they kind of hang out um in and i uh, yeah they're um so when when they dive sometimes their head comes up and you can see their head and neck and their nickname is a snake bird because it kind of looks like a snake yeah i can see that so yeah i f- i feel like I I really over the and I live right by the the East River um in Long Island City and both the river and the cormorant had were like my um uh, this kind of peace that uh peaceful relationship that I developed that kind of helped me through the past year and a half. So that's the closest I I am to to birding, but I I could yeah. see myself extending that out. It is peaceful. I wonder if it's because it's a little bit of nature, you know, these creatures that are still living as if um, cities and technologies don't exist. They're just going about their lives, eating fish Mm -hmm. as they normally would. Yeah. Plus they can fly. Plus they can fly. That's nice. Flying would be uh, something I would be into personally. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so... You know, you got the cormorant down. Um, there's about, you know, there's a world of about 5,000 to 8,000 more species out there, depending on how you slice it. In the in the blog that you wrote, I think you said you were at 74. Is that where you're at now? Yeah, I've rocketed up to 95. Wow. Uh-huh. Yeah, I was just down in... Uh, Oh, a 97. Yeah, I was just down in, uh, yeah, I have my list right here. I was just <laughs> down, I was just down in uh, Blowing Rock, North Carolina, mm-hmm. and uh, saw my first belted kingfisher. Uh, so I added to the list. But I mostly wrapped up in uh, West Virginia this spring. Mm-hmm. Got like 20, got 20 in a row in West Virginia on a big uh, bird walk. And and like you said before, are are a lot of these big hulls um, from when you are catching migratory patterns? Yeah, it's all in the spring or the fall, and the big hulls are when I'm generally with a birding expert mm-hmm. who just who like knows where to look and knows which birding call is what, and can point out, oh, that's a that's an orchard oriole versus that's a eastern kingbird when i'm alone i'll have to like try to memorize the bird visually and then Mm. later on look it up which is a lot harder to identify and this is all on an honor system too right you you totally you, you can just say you saw it yeah now obviously it's not satisfying for me, you know, it's not satisfying until you not only see it really, but verify a hundred percent that that's what it was. But apparently, there are people out there that just tour the world, checking off their lists without really, without really any, a lot of complete observations. Do you feel like you kind of own the bird after you've you've checked it off? <laughs> <laughs> I, it feels more like to me, like I think your your uh, metaphor of a of a word was mm-hmm. was interesting. It feels 
in the in the family of learning a new vocab word where you like verify the word and the mm-hmm. definition use it in and a then sentence once, and then once you've used it in a sentence a few times you're like okay yeah yeah i know that word now now i know that word except it it's an alive bird did you collect things growing up were you a, like a baseball card kid i collected baseball cards uh I collected rocks in the backyard. Um, collected superhero cards. Mm-hmm. I collected battle beasts. Yeah, I guess I did collect things. Does it feel it feel somewhat similar? I, I collected pill bugs. What's what's a um, pill bug? Well, there's little roly polies that oh. live under rocks. Yeah, yeah. I had about 800 in a fish tank, and a huge storm passed through. Not unlike the one we had two days ago and uh, there was a great flood. Only a few roly polies survived. They were standing at the tip of a top of a rock. Oh, they were still alive in your, in your fish tank. Yeah. Cause a few of them had made it up to the the peak of a rock that hovered above the the waterline. It was a devastating blow. (laughs) I was for me, but uh, I felt, felt bad about that. So you said earlier that you're you're doing a lot of. Are you still doing Zoom uh, corporate shows? Or you're, I saw you're getting back out on the road. You you were at QED last night. I got to get back to that place. That was my old stomping grounds. QED show was fun last night. Yes, I'm just starting to get back out on the road. Though some shows were canceled again thanks to the new variants. Yeah, but, but some shows are happening again. Um, doing a theater tour with Nate Bargatze this month and doing a theater tour with Brian Regan this month. Um, so some club shows were canceled, uh, but these theater shows are still happening. And some of them, depending on the state are requiring vaccine proof. Some of them aren't. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's completely up to the venue and every state and venue is different. So that'll be interesting. You a little uh, nerve wracked from that at all cave from your cave syndrome. I, I know I uh, uh, six months ago I was once I got the vaccine I lost my fear fear of it pretty quickly yeah and um, and in theaters the rooms are so large that's with true good ventilation it's really just the tiny tiny comedy clubs where people are coming up to you and drunk and getting all close to you that be a little nerve-wracking well, you know, Brian Regan, I've known forever and is hilarious. And Nate Bargatze is a, a new favorite of my wife and I. We've watched everything that he's he's done. It's so hilarious. That's I what a double bill. What a double bill. Right? Thank you, John. <laughs> yeah, no, his his Netflix specials are great. He's really so good. blown up. He's really blown up the last five years to uh, now he's doing large theaters and has a big fan base. And uh, yeah, that'll be fun. That'll be my first tour with Nate. Um, and yeah, I identify with a lot of his bits. I, I have been, I had been to the Serpentarium in Wilmington before I saw his joke about it. Mm-hmm. And it was such a spot on joke about the owners of the Serpentarium. Apparently one of them, apparently there was a double homicide or something or a double suicide. When I went to the Serpentarium, 
the two people at the front desk, you had to pay like $5 to enter. The two people at the front desk, there was a woman taking my money, weeping. And there was a guy next to her, like shouting at her. Wow. Also crying in between them taking my money. So that was my impression of it before I heard about Nate's bit. And then before I heard about the double suicide or whatever it was. Man. Snakebird. Snakebird. So, yeah. So I think I've sold you on birding. If there's anything else uh, to tell you, um, one more metaphor. There's vocab words. There's Mm -hmm. dogs passing through. The only other possible metaphor would be, because it's it's unlike anything else, but the only other possible metaphor would be like, if you see a celebrity for the first time Mm -hmm. in person, you're like, whoa, look, it's Bill Murray. Mm -hmm. You're like, he's right there. I love Bill Murray. He's right there. Who's the most recent celebrity you've, you've seen in, in New York? Celebrity sighting. Mm-hmm. Um, my most recent was the guy from <laughs> Homeland. Mm-hmm. The guy from Homeland who looks like Orlando Bloom. Isn't he also the uh, king in, uh, did you see um, Wolf Hall? <laughs> I did not, but he's definitely the king in Wolf Hall. Yeah. 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 Uh, my my, before that though, my best celebrity sighting was, I got to attend a Dave Chappelle house party mm-hmm. in which Carrie Elways showed up. Wow, Carrie Elways from The Princess Bride. Yeah, now, that was cool to see a childhood uh, movie star. I saw um, who's the who's the guy that does the the screen during the election on MSNBC. Oh yeah, he's super big. He's huge. Yeah, get his name. Yeah, he had those brown, he, he, brown he, pants. You spotted him in New York. I spotted him in the wild. What was he doing? Just walking very determinedly. Research team, what's that guy's name? My research team's gonna let me know. Here, I'll I'll, I'll be your research team. What channel was it? The MSNBC guy. He also does like football in the Olympics now. Let's go to the board. Uh, Steve Kornacki. Steve Kornacki. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. That's exciting. Yeah. That's very exciting. Well, I'd love to have a celebrity sighting one day. Have you uh, here in, in, in studio when uh, Heck yeah. this was so much fun? And I'm. I think I'm gonna download. Is there an app, an eBird app? Um, there is. I just use the website eBird. Uh, let me see if it's. That's ordered. probably that that old school peop, uh, group. Tell tell you not it's, to use the app. It's eBird.org. Okay. Um, my screen name, if you want to look me up, is Joe Zimmerman Lulz, Lolz. Uh huh. Um, I have 17 completed checklists. Um, let me look at my New York ranking currently. Uh, were explore. You, were you in the Boy Scouts? I mean, 
I was in the Cub Scouts. Okay. For it, about two years. This seems in West Virginia. Boy Scoutish. Also. Um, I I was my my Cub Scout troop was pretty pretty lame. Yeah. Um. Okay. Major regions: New York. Show top one hundred. Okay, I'm ranked three thousand seventieth <laughs> in the state of New York. Wow, stiff competition. Uh, yes. the The number one in the state is the same guy, the former fighting champion John Gaglione, with three hundred twenty two species observed uh, this year. He's He's ahead by four species of Jay McGowan. It's neck and neck. Yeah. It's been neck and neck all year between John Gaglione and Jay McGowan. The fall migratory season will really be the final test to see who gets the championship of 2021. Well, John, I- John Gaglione. And, um, but yeah, my big project the past month was I put out a new album on Pandora called Comedy to Fall Asleep to. So I hope you'll uh, give it a listen. Give it a thumbs up. Comedy to fall asleep to. I do have some birding jokes. Yes, I I listened to it and it's great. And I the back catalog also in Spotify is um, is great. You you called it comedy to fall asleep to because people feel comforted like when they can't sleep sometimes and tell you that they put on your records. <laughs> yeah, I've gotten a lot of messages over the years saying that. Um, they use my comedy to fall asleep. And at first it sounded like a dig, Mm -hmm. but the more I've heard, the more I've learned that it actually is a thing. It's a thing that there's certain people that listen to stand up comedy to fall asleep. Mm -hmm. And, and and I think the thing that makes sense about it is that laughter can relax you. So, it's like they're hearing laughter and then they're relaxing and then they're just going right. Then it's knocking right out. And it helps you get, get out of your own head. Right. I think a lot of times when, when we can't sleep, we're alone with our thoughts. And, um, I can always tell when I'm starting to fall asleep because I make kind of crazy associations and I'm wondering how, how did I get over here in my head? And then you drift off. Right. And being able to, to make those associations via the thoughts of someone else can, I think can be very comforting. Also, there is um, something called vocal anesthesia that, um, you know, doctors use for people with mm-hmm. pregnancies and certain things to relax people. So certain voices do put people to sleep. And I've been blessed with that. <laughs> I've been blessed with that timbre. Was it timbre or timber? I think it's Tambor, Jeffrey Tambor. Tambor. I've been blessed with that Tambor, with that pitch, <laughs> mm-hmm. with that tone. Well, dear listener, if you are still awake, uh, uh, you've been, we've been talking with Joe Zimmerman. And, um, yes, sir. They're I, not. They're asleep. Thank you so much for coming on the show. <laughs> this was so much fun. Yeah, good to see you. Great to see you. Thank you for having me. And I'm glad that I made a dent pushed you closer to the bird world. I think you did. I think you really did. And it's, I struck at the right time because fall migratory season just started. It's September 4th. They basically hit central park today. The first one. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to head right over there right after the show's (laughs) over. Maybe I'll see you. 
And Bob. Sounds good. All right. Sounds good. All right. Thanks. Thanks so much, Joe. All right. Take Bye, care. Bye, John. Bye. How about that? Joe Zimmerman. That was good. That was good stuff. This is a concierto in X minor. Um, Brand Nubian. Race to the bottom. Concerto in X minor, we have the brother, Derek X. Uh, his theme tonight will be on racism in a New York backdrop. Brother Derek X. Uh, yes, 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 thank you, thank you, thank you, and all of that. Yo, before I get this wreck, I want to give a strong shout to all the positive brothers and sisters that's out there. And I just want to let y'all know who I came down here with. I slid in here with Lord J, and I'm a mo with the A, and I came to get wrecked like this. I'm kind of blessed, so I wrote this manifesto for life. Co-signed by the office with a knife. Radio Free Brooklyn is sponsored in part by My Choice Pharmacy, offering little or no cost medical braces. For more information, call 844-598-6639. We're also sponsored by Peters Valley School of Craft. Peters Valley presents... The Fall Craft Fair at Sussex County, New Jersey Fairgrounds on September 25th and 26th. Visitors can browse and buy handcraft pieces from over 100 exhibiting artists. Ticket sales support Peters Valley School of Craft, fostering creative thinking through fine craft education programs and events. Tickets and more information at petersvalley.org. If you're listening to this on your computer... You can consider downloading the app for your iPhone or Android. It works well and it's free. So is our newsletter. RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash newsletter to get uh, filled in on what's going on each and every month. Once once a month. We don't, we don't flood your inbox. Just the news you can use. And if you enjoyed the program, consider going and, and uh, dropping us a couple dollars. Um... You can donate on the site. Thanks again to Joe Zimmerman. Next week, like I said, we've got my buddy Colette coming in talking about Google rabbit holes. We're gonna we're gonna live and learn and laugh. One of my favorite actually one of my my favorite song about birds is by Feist off her album Metals. It's called Caught a Long Wind. This isn't just one of my favorite songs about birds. This is one of my favorite songs, period. I could I can just say that. Up next is Crime Talk BK with Joanna Perpich. Stay tuned. Stay tuned all day. Just keep the keep the dial locked. So many great shows. We got like 80 shows on this dang radio station. And it's all for you. Community radio. Caught a long wind. Thanks again to Joe Zimmerman. I'm going to go catalog some birds. 
Peace. Got a long way in. 